Okay, well, it's 6.30 or after, so I guess we'll start. Y'all are going to have to get my teacher voice tonight because there's not amplification. This mic is just for the recording that we're doing. So um, I'm glad y'all are here um, for another session of King Jesus, the Miracle Series. Um, tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 17. So you may want to go ahead and open your Bibles to that passage. <clears throat> But I want to begin, even before we pray, I want to begin with a definition. So I googled the word faith, and this is what came up. Well, maybe this is what came up. Let's see if I can make it. There we go. Faith, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And then the synonyms that Google listed were trust, Belief, confidence, conviction, credence, reliance, dependence, optimism, hopefulness, hope, or expectation. So, which words from that definition stand out to you? Trust. Trust. Why trust, Bruce? Okay. So I, I was, it's always a very graphic illustration to me. Okay. Because they're recording this, I'm going to repeat back what I think you just said, some of it. Faith and um, is transferring your trust from, say it again. From me, myself. From me, myself. Transfer it to the Jesus. Trusting him totally. I love the totally part too. Okay. Somebody else, what stands out to you? Complete. complete. Why complete? Uh, because there's no reservation. Hmm. It's, uh, there's no qualifiers. It's without hesitation. Oh, I love that. No qualifiers. I love that. Without hesitation, complete, total. Great. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, Jerry? I wondered why it said credence, and now I know because of you. So, because he is who he says he is. Okay, great. He's credible. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, Jay? Okay, yes. It, it relates back to what Bruce was saying, transferring your trust from yourself to, to depending on him and him alone. Great. Okay. Well, some of you may be going, well, Terry, why did you bother to Google it when Scripture tells you what faith is? And so on your handouts, I have uh, a Scripture, 11, Hebrews 11.1, 1, and I want to see how well you do at filling in that blank. I'm going to put, this is what's on your handout. Now blank is the blank of things hoped for, the blank of things not seen. So tell me, fill in a blank. The first one's easy. Now faith, yes. Now faith is the hmm of things hoped. Confidence is a good word. What else? Some of you are cheating and actually looking it up in scripture. <laughs> 
kidding. Isn't that horrible to say it's cheating to look at God's word? I think it's really not cheating. So, okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Now, what is it? Evidence. Okay. That's a good word, too. Say that again. The root of things hoped for. Interesting. Never thought of it in that way. Okay. Okay. How about the third blank? Now, faith is the of things hoped for, the blank of things not seen. Confidence. Confidence. Confidence for both. Conviction. Okay. Say that again. Certainty. Okay. All right. Well, your versions will have different words, but this is what ESV says. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So that's the scriptural definition of faith. And, and it's interesting, some of the things you said, some of the things the Google definition said are in there. Conviction, assurance, hope, all of those are a part of it. I thought it was, it kind of made me smile that the Google definition relied on God's word for, the, for it too. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Okay. So with that as background, let's pray, and then we'll hop into our story. Okay? Ready? Father, teach us tonight. Teach us about faith. Grow our faith. Use your word, Lord Jesus, to teach us and to shape us, we pray in your name. Amen. All right, Matthew 17 is just eight verses, verses 14 to 21. Here we go. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I love this story. You know, our, um, our series are the miracles of Jesus. And, and, and I love this one because I think it's a great example of the authority of Christ. Uh, when no one else could bring healing to this boy, Jesus did. But why do you think I began the discussion tonight with the definition of faith? Yeah, it's the key to the story. It's all about faith. It's the central part of the story. In fact, some form of the Greek word for faith, which is pistis, is in there in those just seven verses. 
short, or eight verses. Three times it's used. Um, and this is the definition. It's on your handout too. Faith, faithfulness, belief, trust. But even more than that, it's with an implication that actions based on that trust will follow. One resource I read said that the verb form of uh, this means to persuade or be persuaded and that the noun means faith, trust, or certainty. I think that was one you said. In verse 20 that we read, it's used once as a noun, faith, faith as a mustard seed. And once in that verse, the form is, uh, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing these correctly. Some of you may know well more than I do, but um, I would say it ogliopistia, which is little or littlest faith, tiny faith, just the tiny bit of faith. And Jesus said, if you just had a tiny bit of faith, as small as a mustard seed, you could make big things happen. And then in verse 17, the opposite of pistis is used. It's apistos. It's unbelieving, lacking in trust, doubting. Do you see it? It's where he says, um, you twisted and are faithless and twisted generation. What does it say in your versions? If you aren't using ESV, what does it say besides perverse? perverse. Yes, perverted, perverse, yes. Unbelieving and perverse, okay. The whole passage is ultimately about faith, how we believe, where we place our trust, as Bruce was telling us. And we're going to see that even more clearly when we look at the parallel passage that's in Mark, Mark chapter 9. But before we go there, I want to talk about a couple things. First, verse 14 says, when they came to the crowd. And then verse 16 says, the father brought him to the disciples. So the disciples were there as part of the crowd. Who was the they? Who was the they that came to the crowd? Why do you say it's Peter, James, John, and Jesus? Correct, Bruce. Yes, if you can't find the answer in the passage, look at the context. Remember, that's our first thing we do when we're studying Scripture. So Bruce looked at the context. He saw that, right? or maybe he just knew it. But Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay. Um, so they... Peter, James, John, and Jesus came down from the mountain and they found a desperate father and a crowd of people. Um, the transfiguration had just happened. The disciples were trying to heal the boy but were unsuccessful. Peter, James, John, and Jesus had had this literal mountaintop experience and they came down to a mess in the valley. Do you see also, and maybe I'll put it back up here, how the Father approached the Lord? What does it say? Kneeling, yes. He came up to him and kneeling before him. I don't know, I picture it in my mind. Sometimes I'm a picture person, but you know the Middle Eastern culture is a very demonstrative culture. Um, so I just see him flinging himself at the feet of Jesus and begging for mercy and compassion. Those of you who are moms can imagine your pain, or dads can imagine the pain of seeing your child suffer so much. Um, and so he was desperate for the Lord. 
He was pleading for mercy. His son had been suffering with seizures. He brought him to the disciples. They couldn't help. And so he came to Jesus himself, hoping, begging, with as much faith as he could muster, and knelt before King Jesus saying, please, please help my son. So Jesus does. Verse 18 tells us that the Lord rebuked the demon and the boy was healed. Now this particular malady that the boy seems to have been suffering from, what does it sound like based on the little description in here? What does it sound like to you? Pardon? Autistic. Epilepsy. Yeah. 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 It sounds a bit like epilepsy, but Jesus did say, and Jesus spoke to the demon and rebuked it. So um, I would just say, I mean, Jesus said, come out, and he, the unclean spirit came out. Certainly, all of illness is the work of the enemy. Now, let me qualify that by saying, God created this perfect, beautiful world. There was no sickness when he created it. So it's all the work of the enemy, all of the illness and the struggles and all of that is the work of the enemy. Now, can God use illness to bring about good? Absolutely. We see it over and over in scripture. We see it in our own lives. Yes, he can. But ultimately, this was the work of the enemy that was manifesting itself in this boy, looking like what we would call now epilepsy. Um, any, Ill, any, form, any illness of any form is a perversion of God's original design. And King Jesus rebukes the demon, brought healing to the boy. But he also seems to rebuke the people too. Remember he called them what? Faithless, perverse, twisted. Um, and the, let's see if I can get it up here, it's on your thing. That word, that Greek word means to subvert, pervert, make turn away, to be perverted, depraved, turned or distorted from the truth. Yes, Ginger. It is a little shocking. Yes, I think that's exactly what he was doing. He was saying, oh, how many times do I have to show this to you? Um, you are so, I mean, I've shown you things over and over and over and over again. Think about it. This is chapter 17 in Matthew. So how many miracles has he performed? How many healings has he performed? And here we are again, he's saying. How long will I have to contend with you, you faithless and twisted generation, perverse generation? I think in my mind, and you know, I'm, I wasn't there, <laughs> but the man is at his feet, kneeling before him, and I'm thinking he's looking out at the crowd, he's looking out at his disciples, and saying, ugh, because the man had faith, he came to him, but they, are floundering. It's a bit of a chaotic scene. So I think he's saying it to them. But I also think he's saying it to us. Think about it. Aren't we a twisted generation? Aren't we distorting the truth? Haven't we turned from the truth of God's word? 
aren't we subverting, perverting, turning away from what God's Word tells us to do? Yeah, we are. It could easily describe us as well. Uh, sorry. Um, I did mention his disciples that he may have been including them in his rebuke. <laughs> yeah. But at least they did come to him later and say, well, why couldn't we do that? I mean, remember, he had sent them out and gave them authority to cast out demons. So they were saying, why didn't it work for, you, for us? And Jesus said, it was your ogliopistia. It was your little faith. You just didn't have enough. You didn't have even the faith of the tiniest seed, a mustard seed. Because if you had, you would have been able to move a whole mountain. This mountain that I just came down from, you would have been able to move this mountain where I met with the Lord. You could move it if you had enough faith. But as there so often is, there's another meaning too. When Jesus spoke of a faith that could move mountains, it wasn't just a phrase, phrase he casually tossed out right then that he thought of and tossed out then. No, it was a familiar phrase of the day. In those days, a teacher or a prophet who could interpret scripture well was known as an uprooter of mountains. So it led to common expressions like to tear up, to uproot, or to pulverize mountains were phrases that were used in picturing the removal of difficulties. So follow me here. When Jesus said our faith could move mountains, he was saying our faith could remove obstacles. And the hardest of tasks could be accomplished if our faith was placed completely upon him, on the word of the Lord. He could and he can uproot, pulverize any difficulty we face. Any. In summary, Matthew tells us, that Peter, James, John, and Jesus came down to find a crowd, including doubting disciples, a desperate father, and a demon-possessed son. So Jesus responded by rebuking the demon, scolding the disciples, and healing the son. But now let's move to Mark's description of the story. Remember, do you remember how many verses Matthew's was? Seven or eight, yes. And Mark uses twice that many verses to tell it. So here we go. Mark, chapter 9. If you want to turn in your Bible, you can. Um, it's also on the back of your handout if you'd like to read it there. And when they, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately... All the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able and he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. 
And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, <laughs> all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he'd entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to him, to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So much more in Mark's description. So much more. And it's funny because Mark is usually the one that's cut to the chase, get to the point, tell it short and sweet. But he gives us a lot of information. But rather than me talk about all the differences, I'm going to ask you to do that at your tables in just a minute. I'm going to ask you to compare the two. That's why I put it on the back of your handout so that you can compare them. But I just have to talk about verses 22, 23, and 24 before we do that. Remember, here it is. What does the man say? If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, if I can. If. Yeah, if. I mean, think how that sounded to King Jesus. Jesus, God the Son. Jesus, the Word became flesh. Jesus, not just fully man, but fully God. Jesus, the one present and active at creation. Jesus, the one to whom all will one day bow. And the boy's father said, if you can. It's laughable, isn't it? Yes. Jesus called him out and said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then the man's response, one of the greatest heartfelt prayers in all of Scripture. Oh, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Guess what those Greek words are? Yep, the ones on your sheet. Yes, yes. I do believe, I, I do, pistis, help my apistis, apistia, help me, help my unbelief. All things are possible for those who believe. All things, even moving mountains, breaking down difficulties, overcoming obstacles, for those who have faith are persuaded. So the man says, I do, I do believe. Help my doubting, help my unbelief. To me, that's just an enormous description of what the life of a Christ follower is. We come to him with our little faith, sometimes not even as big as a mustard seed, our ogliopistia, and Jesus said, mm, 
that isn't enough for the battle you're about to face. So we respond by saying, Lord, I I do believe. Help me believe you more. Help me in those areas where I doubt. Increase my belief in you. I desperately want to trust you more and more. And I love that the man's heart cry was to request more faith. But I love, love, love that Jesus responded by healing his son, which of course resulted in increased faith in the man, but it also resulted in increased faith in the disciples and the crowd and us today. King Jesus certainly helped our unbelief, didn't he? So we have lots more to talk about tonight, but we're going to do it a little different. Usually we wait till close to the end to do group discussion, but I want you to, at your tables, just compare the Matthew passage and the Mark passage and have somebody at your table take notes. I have this really fancy chart I'm going to bring to you. It says similarities, differences. Somebody at your table, be the scribe and list the similarities and differences in these two passages and then we'll talk about them, okay? And then we'll come back and talk some more. Okay, here you go. Somebody be the scribe. Who wants to, you want? Gina versus scribe. Okay, good. Okay, whoever, I don't know who wants to be the scribe. Joining y'all, is that okay? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So, what's the same? What do you see the same in both of them? His rebuke to the the crowd, yes, yes, same words even, faithless and twisted generation, faithless generation, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he healed the boy, I mean, just the healing itself was. First thing that you have to understand is, one, it was written by an apostle. The second is secondhand information. Okay.
Yes, different perspectives. Yes. And you mentioned Peter gave Mark most of his information, or yeah. you know, and Peter came down from the mountain to this scene where Matthew was a part of this scene, <laughs> you know, so he was maybe he didn't want to give all the details. <laughs> But not here. Not here. <laughs> no. This was important. Yeah. 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 I think it uh, goes back to the, helping you to really want you to understand what took place from what he relayed to you mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. with Matthew, it's, it's more to the point, mm-hmm. very direct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe because he doesn't remember things well. Maybe. Or, you know, God inspired him to write it this way and inspired Mark to write it this way. So, because we get different perspective, different pieces from each gospel writer. So, yeah. When you think about how we study the Bible and we read God's Word, you read this, you haven't read this, you know, just had one of them. And you mentioned the focus on prayer that Jesus said you had this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. 
isn't prayer essential to faith? I mean, why would you pray if you didn't have faith, you know? So they are related, but just a different side of the coin, maybe. Well, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure that they had the same kind of faith. Yeah. After. Right. Before as they have after. Right. Oh, absolutely not. They didn't understand so yeah. much they before. They were still thinking that he was going to... Overthrow the government. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Well, there's a lot of difference in, in the... But I also yeah. thought the part where Henry Martin talks about, um, I do believe, where does it say, I do believe, but... Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. Really, that's relayed from Mark where it's not in Matthew. Right. So... The, yeah. And I actually haven't thought about it, you know, until you said it. You know, it, it is true. We ask God to help us grow our faith, and mm -hmm. you know, trust in Him more. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's very clear here that it's He's, he's telling us you must have that faith. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and put your faith and trust in Him mm -hmm. in order to really mm -hmm. have all of the the blessings mm -hmm. that He brings us. Mm -hmm. But it's okay to ask for more, because the man did. I mean, he did, and it's okay. He wants us to ask for more. I mean, he wants us to have faith, but when we are lacking it, ask Him, <laughs> and He'll make it happen. You know. And use them to glorify Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what else was different? And Mark, it also tells us that Jesus asked the Father how long the mm -hmm. child had been sick. And here it doesn't make any reference that Jesus had, you know, had that part of the conversation. Yeah, it doesn't even look like in Matthew you would know that they had a conversation really, but they, they had a conversation. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. 
It's not pretty. the scribes it doesn't mention the scribes in Matthew but there the scribes were there so you wonder if that's who he was addressing when they when he said you faithless and twisted generation you know they because they, they definitely were perverting the law and then Matthew talks about the the mountain and Mark doesn't, you know, moving the mountain. Yeah, there was no mustard seed in, the, in the Mark one, yeah. I don't remember it. I don't know. It's a good question. So Matthew thought that was the important thing, and Mark thought that if you can and help my unbelief was the important thing, you know? It's just interesting. And they both were the important thing. We just need them at different times, yeah. Mm -hmm. But both related to faith. Here it also talks about the Spirit seeing Jesus. And here, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 the spirit knew who Jesus was. Yes. And it's, and when the spirit saw him, yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's cool, I think, that the spirit, the demonic spirit, recognized who Jesus was before the people did. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They knew. They knew. Yeah. You have to consider there's a lot more information on what's written in Mark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I think some of them are finishing. Okay. One more minute. Okay, so what was the same? What are some similarities you lifted, listed? What was the same? Yeah. 
Yes, that was important enough to be in both Gospels. Both of them called them an unbelieving, faithless generation. Okay. Okay. What else was this saying? And both of them, yes, he was. He rolled his eyes. He didn't really. I'm sure the divine God didn't roll his eyes, but he was exasperated. He may have. I don't know. He was a fully man, yeah. So, okay. Um, So, what else was the same? The mention that the disciples could not. Mm. Mm. Yes. Okay, great. In, oh, and it's and it's similar, so I left out that one. Sorry. Well, okay. A lot of, it's okay. This. And this was that kind. Yeah. yeah. And, and we talked about this. It also took that understanding of fasting, which is defined as daily preparation. They needed to be praying. They needed to be doing things along with prayer. Yeah. Mm. Fasting is not a Matthew put a prayer right. Right. Matthew is, you know. It did yeah. yeah. Got it. Good. And it's one thing I read said it was you didn't hear Jesus pray in Mark or Matthew. You didn't he didn't voice a prayer, but it was evidence of the abiding relationship that Jesus had with the Father, and that he calls us to as well. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah. Yes. And another thing I read said that perhaps they were. Um, relying on the method instead of the master, instead of God himself, yeah. So, so that they may have just been kind of going through the motions. Because when he sent them out, I think that's afterwards, he gave them authority. Right, right. Why they, why they couldn't, yeah. Okay. All right, so what were some other differences then between the two passages? Yeah, a lot more everything from Mark now, yeah, yeah, a lot more back. <laughs> okay, so who said that at your table? Okay, good. Yeah, but you were wise and didn't say it. <laughs> Okay, good, 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 good. good. <laughs> um, that's funny. I was talking to my sister-in-law 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. Sometimes we just process things out loud. I don't know. Not always, but sometimes. So, okay. Yeah, good. Okay. All right. What else was different? Okay. That. that is a difference and a big one, an important one. Good, good. Recognized him. Yes, yes, yes. And we were talking at our table, think about how faith correlates with prayer. I mean, if you don't have faith, you're not going to pray. So the more faith you have, the more you're going to pray. And the more you pray, the more faith you're going to have. It just kind of is a cycle. Yes, I love that. You get out of here and don't you ever come back. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I noticed that the scribes were there yeah. in the Mark one. I didn't notice it. I mean, I, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Anything else? Right, right. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I do want to talk about that. And I'm going to add two more verses to the passage. Um, this is the Matthew passage. Just, I mean, y'all did great with all of your similarities and differences. I wish I could have been at every one of your tables. I think I would have learned something. And maybe some of y'all need to be teaching us on Wednesday nights instead of me and the others of us that are. But in Matthew, this just really stood out to me. Let's see if I can find it. In Matthew, the next two verses, so right after he heals, so this is verse 22, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. It just seems kind of random, doesn't it, that... It, I mean, it wasn't the first time Jesus had told his disciples that he would be killed and raised to life. But for some reason, he thinks it's important to throw it in here again right after the boy was healed. And it's in Mark 2. Here's the Mark one. 
They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they didn't understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Well, it seemed odd to me. And I thought, first, I thought, well, how fun that we're reading this and it's nearing Easter. This is Holy Week. And, and now here Jesus is throwing this, throwing this out here to us, too. Um, but then I noticed in Mark, do you remember what it said in Mark, verses 26 and 27? I'll put them back up here again. This is right after when he rebuked the demon. He was just, Mark was describing the boy's healing. And it said, just like Anita said, and after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. To the crowd, the boy appeared to have suffered and died. But Jesus reached out, touched him, lifted him up, and he arose. Isn't that similar to what would happen in Jerusalem not too many days later? I I mean, Jesus really did die. I don't mean to say he uh, only appeared to be dead. He did die. And it would appear to the disciples and everybody that it was over. But God reached out, lifted him up, and Jesus arose. It was no mistake or coincidence that Jesus told his disciples about this after he lifted up the boy. He was taking the opportunity to build their faith, to prepare them, to help their unbelief. And they missed it, yes. Yes, but we're not now. We're going to remember it. (laughs) It was as if Jesus was saying, just when you think it's over, just believe, trust me, depend on me. Yes, I will die, but I will rise. Don't be confused. Let me tell you. Yes, they were greatly good. Yes. He told us this, yes. Yes. And they did remember it during those days while he was in the tomb. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, and our teaching, yes, Jerry. Mm. Oh. Yeah, they thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 She was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there was one quote in the, and I think I put it on your listening sheet. It's a fill in the blank one. It was in the teaching material this week, and I don't know why, but it just jumped out to me. It says, true faith is unconditional openness to God. It goes back to, I think, Walker, it was you that said, uh, no qualifiers. Yeah, unconditional openness to God. A decision, we have to make this choice, 
in the face of all to the contrary, that Jesus is able. If you can, yes, he can. King Jesus is able. He's already proven he is. Able to heal the boy, able to defeat death. So our response should just be pistis, faith. Complete persuasion, trust. And when those doubts begin to creep in, just like that father did, we say, King Jesus, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And then commit that situation, that mountain to him. As I wrote this lesson this week, I kept being reminded over and over again. Maybe it doesn't match to you, but it reminded me of my sweet mom's favorite hymn. It's um, from, straight from a passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Do you know it? The chorus goes like this. Oh, did I put it up there? Oh, I didn't put it up there. Where? There it is. Uh, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed, whatever I've given him, unto him against that day. Then it just sum it up beautifully. We know that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is able. And we are persuaded that we can take anything to him, and he'll give us the faith to conquer it. So what situation or circumstance do you need to completely trust the Lord with? What obstacle or difficulty is a mountain in your life? Let's make a decision, like that quote said, to believe that King Jesus is able. Able to do whatever is needed to move that mountain and to give us enough faith to recognize him at work. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are able that you demonstrated that so mightily. Thank you that your sacrifice is enough to forgive us from any sin and that you give us healing just like you gave that boy, that you can restore us and bring us back to a renewed life just like you did that little boy. I thank you that you can give us an increase in our faith and so we ask for that, Father. We ask you to work in us. Increase our faith. We do believe. Help our unbelief, Lord. In the name of King Jesus, amen. amen. Thanks for being here. Stephen will be here next week. He'll be leading next week, and we'll be back in Fellowship Hall. And he's bringing the teenagers over, too. So it'll be Stephen and all the teens. So. We'll see you then. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yes, do. I was watching the chapel, a DTS chapel, and there's this lady, uh, and she was uh, like a conference speaker.